Chat What is going on, fellow chatters? I'm your host, Jason Perry, and on this episode, I have the chance to chat with stand-up comedian, actor, and host of Cash Cab, Adam Grove. But first, the coffee of the day is the yummy mocha from McCafe, a.k.a. McDonald's. And now, my chat with Adam Grove. Well, thanks for very much for sitting down with me, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm having a great day. You know, it's, uh, I don't know where you're listening. If you're listening uh, to this and, you know, as soon as it was uploaded, driving in Ontario or if you're somewhere around the world or in other parts of the country, it just seems like the, the wacky weather of 2018 continues. Um, and it's definitely feeling, uh, you know, fallish. Uh, and uh, I'm enjoying it because it was a it was a nasty hot summer. But you know, listen, I don't want to date it too much in terms of date time or whatever. Because I know I know your podcast listeners, you know, are consuming this uh, over you know for decades. It might be like 2042. Or like me, I have one show that I'm I think I'm a year behind. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, oh, sorry about the sirens. I you know oh. part of sirens and trains i mean i'm i'm in in the urban center you know it's just happening well i guess it's part of 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 being a a actor going on different uh auditions and and whatnot right yeah i mean you got to juggle a lot of different balls uh you know from from the days when i started in, in radio and you know trans trans you know transitioned into stand-up comedy then you're starting to audition for commercials and tv movies and television shows and so yeah i'm still auditioning for stuff i just came out of a, a you know a principal role in uh in you know one of those kind of made for tv movies and it was it was a great audition i'm it's kind, sometimes jason you get those auditions but it's like if i don't get this i have to really do some serious introspection this is i'm a in this role i'm a dad uh that's kind of strict with his son jack and my eldest his name is jack and you know, I'm actually going through a, a bit of a, a phase with him where I, I'm feeling as if I've got to be the, you know, the hard ass dad. <laughs> so I'm like, this is written for me. Are you kidding? Hey, but, I'm uh, going through that exact same phase. Exactly. Well, okay, there you go. <laughs> Maybe I, I should try it now. I'm not. We can a, practice uh, on each other. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm. Well, see what we can achieve. <laughs> exactly. Now, Adam, it seems like you've been learning a little bit about how government works with your work with the Canadian Association for Stand-Up Comedians. As a group, what is your goal? Well, the the genesis of the formation of CAST was a little over a year ago now, and it, it started with a letter that Sandra Badalini, who's a hilarious uh, comic and an entrepreneur and a real firecracker of a business person and uh and you know the kind of person you want in your community on your side she wrote a letter to the prime minister of canada and said you know what i i'm sick of whining about it so i'm writing to tell you that you know stand-up comedy is not given the respect in this country as other art forms are we're not even officially recognized as an art form as a field of practice for example when we apply for government grants which you know we believe in as artists in terms of bolstering the economy and creating an, uh, an infrastructure of economic support. And so I happened to randomly be on a, a radio panel with her and a couple of other comics when she was talking about that letter and how the prime minister didn't respond, but the heritage minister, Melanie Jolie did. And, you know, it kind of was like, what are we going to do now? Like we're not getting the response. So 
everybody had been talking to her about, well, you can't just be individuals uh, if you want to get momentum. You need to form an association. So after that panel, I just happened to be on the panel that day. And she said, you know, you seem to get it, like when we talked about it. And you seem to be interested. And I said, of course, I'm a, I, stand-up comedy is part of my roots. I still, I still do a little stand-up comedy. So anyway, she just said, you know, we're, we're going to put an ad hoc group together. And I said, yeah. And so the, the main, the two main initiatives, and this is over a year ago, were to petition the federal government and then with the hopes that it would trickle down to all levels of government, provincial and municipal, to get stand-up comedy officially recognized as an art. And the other one was to get uh, parity in terms of labor mobility with the United States, because you might not be aware of this, but American comics, who we love coming to Canada to perform because we love seeing all sorts of different types of stand-up, American comics who come here to work have very little obstacles, financial and bureaucratic and otherwise. But when Canadians want to go to L.A. or New York to work, it's pro cost prohibitive. There's all sorts of restrictions. It's ridiculous. So we wanted to get parity there so we are able to, you know, go across the border and work in terms of our the cultural sector that we represent. And so, you know, just a, a couple of weeks ago, not not even two weeks ago, the, the first initiative, which was to get the federal government to recognize us as an art form, we did an, uh, an e-petition, which was sponsored by uh, Toronto Danforth MP for the Liberals, Julie DeBruzen. So you have to get an MP to sponsor it. You have to get X amount of signatures. We accomplished all that. And she actually tabled it in the House of Commons on Parliament Hill to a standing ovation. That's a standing O in the bid. And so it was very exciting. Now, we're not done with it yet, but that's the, the first step towards getting the recognition we want. And, you know, for us, it's just an exciting uh, place to be and, and a lot of exciting momentum to build. And, you know, we have to address a lot of the questions that people have about this. And I'm sure you do as well in terms of what that means. Well, I mean, it seems pretty fair. Like, you know, musicians are able to kind of get uh, government funding, government grants, um, you know, the movie industry can get government grants, but a lot of like you see a lot of I mean, there's stand up clubs that do a lot for the for the economy. Uh, there's all the, you know, the sketch shows, the parody shows on TV. And where does that talent come from? Yeah. Yeah, that that is the the essence of it. And certainly there are already government programs through Canada Council for the Arts and at the provincial level as well, through Heritage Canada, in terms of providing economic support to uh, spaces for theater and comedy, providing uh, development uh, funding for theatrical uh, comedic artists. And we're talking specifically in the, in the arena of humor. You alluded to the fact that recording artists are getting support, film and television are. Uh, and so the, the federal government and the provincial government are all kind of responding still that we, we already fund humor in this country. And we're going, well, you know, not at the level that we're talking about. And we're not asking for new money. We're asking for stand-up comics simply to have the right to have the, the you know, when you apply for uh, economic support with a plan that, you know, has demonstrated like the music industry and the film and television industry and the theater industry and other forms of comedy art. Um, but not stand-ups, that have demonstrated to bolster the economy, support the GDP, all that, you know, all the numbers are there. We're just asking for the right to have, you know, the drop-down menu when you apply for a grant to say stand-up comedian. And it doesn't say that right now. We have to 
apply under the guise of being a theater artist or something else. And we don't want any other people to be excluded. We're just saying we want the right because at the end of the day, when we record a comedy album or when we get a, a, a sitcom built around us, that doesn't happen when someone says, hey, you're, you're, you, could, you could be funny. You know, no, you have to be in the trenches developing your art over, if not years, over decades. Uh, and so, you know, you're right, Jason. We're trying to communicate that you don't just all of a sudden have that content. You've got to work on that content. And it's, you know, it's not that uh, every comic is going to be successful in, in achieving a grant application, uh, getting approval. And for people who are lay people outside of the entertainment industry, we think it's a handout and, you know, supporting the arts is just a easy money. I can, I can promise you it's not easy money. The kind of money we're talking about will just kind of take the edge off. And what it will do is we'll keep some comics and we know that Canada is known for comedy. It will keep some comics in the business and elevate their profession to a level that maybe they wouldn't have been able to achieve. doesn't mean they're not going to have to have a day job, right? They're not going to get easy money where they're going to be able to, you know, quit working and do nothing else. I mean, I continue to have to do other things to make ends meet. Uh, and, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I had a TV show. I had eight seasons of Cash Cab. I continue to work in the corporate market. I, I'm very pleased with how things work for me, but it's not every month. And some years are, are worse than others. And I'm not saying that I would be a candidate for uh, applying for this kind of arts funding. In fact, I probably wouldn't be. Uh, but what I know in terms of the legacy and how I started, when the the younger comics back when I was, you know, starting and I started a little bit late, there were a lot of people that kind of, you know, disappeared who were really talented. And, you know, there are people that are still hanging around that maybe would even be at another level right now if we had access to the same infrastructure of economic support. But and then there's also the, the comics who, who might necessarily didn't get the support here have gone south to the states and gone big there or even just you know ha have a following there where they could have helped the the canadian you know the local canadian economy instead of helping the the u.s economy well that's that's our long-term game uh and i i won't call it a game or a, a scheme it's it's not a scheme it's not a game we're it's not joking we're we're, we're it's the long-term plan or a vision yeah the long yeah the long-term mission and vision of the canadian association of stand-up comedians cast is to create once we get these first steps accomplished is to create as best we can in canada the kind of infrastructure uh for stardom that you have in the states and that you also have in canada exclusively in quebec quebec uh, engages their artistic community, whether it be comedians or otherwise, in a way unlike any other parts of the country. And I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just speaking from hearsay from comedians there. And I'm not saying it's it's easier for a comic in Quebec, but we believe that at the end of the day, the population of Canada, the metrics for social media, uh, digital uh, reach, the metrics for eyeballs on a on a mainstream broadcast program to get the advertising dollars, will never have the population of America. That's not going to change. So how do we create an environment that is economically viable and infrastructure without having to have exactly what you said, Jason, comics leave in order to get fame and a name uh, and then bring money back. We should be trying to develop those as best we can in Canada so that the economic spinoff in communities, whether you're touring or recording an album or, you know, 
um, you know, working on uh, a, a solo comedy show uh, based on your stand-up comedy art, do it in, in these beautiful theaters that exist across the country and have those communities benefit. Uh, you know, everything from restaurants, transportation, technology, uh, you know, all of those things will bolster the economy and it, it will be advantageous to other sectors of industries, not just the cultural sector and arts community. And looking at what can help uh, comedians, especially with today's technology, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, do these help or hinder up and coming and current comedians? Well, you know, like I say to anybody that's starting in the business, if you're you know, obviously, if, if really your heart is set on all you want to do is live stand up and tour and that's it. OK, fine. Uh, but don't come back to me in a year and go, why am I not making my monthly nut? You know, how am I not paying my bills? It's like, well, you can be a road comic and do only that and, and maybe scrape by. But if you're in the stand up comedy business, it should be the foundation for all sorts of other things that you do. It's the, why we want stand-up comics to be supported as artists is because the more you find your voice and your style and experiment and try new things and then have great success in the comedy clubs and other venues that, that host stand-up comedy shows, the better you're going to be when you want to make some YouTube videos or you want to do some sketch stuff in a troupe for television. It's not siloed. You know, in fact, a lot of sketch artists and improv artists are excited about what cask is doing for the stand-up community and say hey how can we get involved because we we are we have you know even though they can apply for funding they go we we have similar challenges and we're not being exclusive about that but right now we're focusing only on stand-ups but the reality is i'm a stand-up comedian i'm also a host mc i'm also a television host i had a podcast for a while i've had radio background you don't just do one thing but stand-up is the most immediate form of art to find your writing ability, to find your voice, get immediate reaction from audiences that is so portable to all of this, you know, Canada's talking about being competitive on the global market with the new digital age. And comedians are the most nimble when it comes to being able to record something, go out there, edit it, pop it up. You know, it's unlike a TV show or a film or even a sketch troupe or improv. I mean, stand-up comics are the front lines of immediate art. And we're the ones that can really embrace that. And so those tools are valuable. The problem is, is that more and more, and even two years ago, it wasn't quite this bad. Those social media tools, the digital channels are now being as constrictive and limiting as the mainstream broadcasters. They're trying, you know, you know, you know, if I post something on one of my social media profiles and I'm not the best example of a good celebrity profile, I can assure you that I know that, you know, <laughs> but when I post something, it's like, doesn't matter what time of day, doesn't matter uh, whether it's video native in, in the platform, which they recommend, doesn't matter if it's a video or a JPEG native in the platform, even if I'm doing something exactly what they recommend, right? I'm getting crushed unless I put a little dollars behind it. If I don't boost it, you know, I'm only reaching maybe less than 4% of my fan base. These are people that have already decided to like Adam Grow. And I, if I don't put money behind my own channel, I'm not reaching those people. So forget, you know, extending and, and reaching new audiences. Now, obviously some things do authentically, organically go viral. So for instance, when we tabled the petition uh, in the House of Commons or, you know, Julie DeBruzen, our uh, Toronto Danforth MP in Toronto did on our behalf, 
uh, CPAC shared the video of that. We shared that on the our our cask social media and our individual, and it went viral. I mean, it, you know, it really did because there is some content that just bursts out. But the reality is, you know, that's fantastic, and it, and it got our message out and got a lot of traction for the cause. But when you're just creating content on a daily or a weekly basis, even your fans are going to go, you know, I'm not saying it's not good and that you shouldn't be striving for exceptional content every time you record something or write something, but it's not the kind of pop as something like that. We made history, basically, with that petition. Never before has a stand-up comic, this is Sandra Badalini, gone to Parliament Hill, had meetings with government and elected officials about comedy in Canada. Never before has a petition been, been tabled in the House of Commons on behalf of stand-up comedians across the country. We think, for sure, it's not only a first in Canada, but we don't think anything like this has ever happened in the world. So, of course, it's going to be viral. It's something exceptional. Well, yeah, and then it just seems like uh, you, you say, okay, here's what you have to meet. Oh, no, no, we have to go a little bit further for you to get out to your audience or even, you know, reach, you know, a thousand people. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, the, the complaint with, you know, Canadian mainstream broadcasters was, you know, they only save so much of their day part for, for homegrown uh, production. And it's become a serious problem in, in Canada. The, you know, the broadcasters, you know, obviously were very good to me and to a select few that uh, have had a show. And they do continue to make some great Canadian content. But when the rules changed two or three years ago from the CRTC, which is the body that's arm's length, and they said, you know, look, you don't have to create Canadian content for the whole daytime schedule anymore. You only have to create Canadian content to the scale of, you know, 35% in your broadcast day and only during prime time, which is, you know, uh, I, I think it's 7 to 10 p.m. or 8 to 10 p.m. So all of a sudden, a lot of smaller production companies and a lot of Canadian content was no longer needed because the broadcasters can fill their schedule with content that is much cheaper to acquire from the states and you know, even, you know, even if it's a hit show, uh, that's fantastic, but we have to make a commitment to Canadian talent. And part of uh, our movement through the Canadian Association of Standard Comedians is also supporting of the, the notion of protecting the competitiveness of Canada in terms of our content, especially in the digital uh, and the broadcast stream. And so when we talk about we want the, the government to ensure that, it, you know, and you can call it whatever you want. It's like a farm subsidy or an auto subsidy. We just don't have the eyeballs or the ears in this country to support straight up competition with the U.S. or other markets. We have 35 million people or whatever in this country. That's one city in the States. So we can't rely on the metrics. So we need the government and other bodies, private and public streams to go, this is important. We need to protect the cultural sector. And, and they were able to accomplish that. That is the stipulation of the new NAFTA, which is the USMCA. Um, they did protect protect the, the uh, cultural content and identity of Canada. Yeah. That name so still, that's good. That, we're, that name still gets yeah, me. That's, yeah, I know. I don't know what the abbreviation <laughs> is. Yumska or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, that was a good news story for Canada. Yeah. But we need to take it to the next level and say it's important for us to put the money behind this because economically it's going to benefit other industries and communities across the country, not just what people perceive to be a bunch of lazy stand-up comics. They're going to get a grant 
and they're not going to work. No, these are comics that are going to have to have a plan, a budget. They're going to get money to create an album. Maybe they're going to record that album in, in venues across the province or their hometown. They've had to move to Toronto or, or Montreal or Vancouver uh, in order to, to earn a living, but maybe they want to go back to Manitoba or Saskatchewan and, and bring a show there. How are they going to do that for their audiences? You know, I've staged and self-produced shows uh, because I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity that a lot of Canadian entertainers don't get, which is to host a show. I've got eight seasons of Cash Cab, so I had a little bit of, you know, money to, to invest in myself and, and in my community. And I know what it costs to self-produce a show in Canada. You know, if you just want to get a nice venue and promote it properly, you're talking about eight to ten grand. And then you maybe break even. So... In, in order, we can't just rely on JFL 42 and Just for Last in Montreal. Those are great things. And Heritage Canada supports those. And that's fantastic. And those are important. But at the end of the day, slowly but surely, Canada is becoming known internationally as a great place for comedy festivals, which are fantastic. JFL 42 and Just for Last are the primo festivals for stand-up comedy in the world. It's a brand that we should celebrate, but we don't want to stop there. We don't want Canada to be known solely as a festival country. We want Canada to go back to its legacy, which is nurturing and cultivating the comics that helped build that brand. And right now, you know, just for laughs, you know, both in the Toronto festival and then touring, it's not a lot of Canadians are on that. And we need to get back to a place where the bookers for that are going, we have so many Canadians that are top-notch headliners, we don't even know what to do. And we're arguing uh, a little bit of economic support through infrastructure to build the star structure here will make it exciting for them to bring Canadi Canadians back into the spotlight. Right now, if you're a stand-up comic and you go to New York and you tour for a bit, you lose a little money. Or you go to L.A. and you book a couple clubs. I've done this before. All of a sudden, you have a couple. I've done the improv or the, the laugh factory or, you know, whatever. And people, and then all of a sudden in Canada, it's like, oh, they, they must be in business. We want that star structure in Canada so that it's not like, oh, all they've been doing is, you know, this and this and this. The more we can do uh, to get these voices of stand-up comics, young, you know, the aspiring new voices, the legacy voices that are coming back into the fray and revisiting stand-up comedy again after, you know, being away for, you know, years, we need to celebrate them in Canada and not be shy about going, these are your headliners and we need to get there together with other industries it's it's really a trade association thing we want to work with just for less we want to work with private stream funding and we want to work with the government to make everybody benefit from it. well i mean it'd be great to see i mean there's lots of comedy clubs around across canada in different cities and every night there is something funny that you can go watch yeah and part of it too would be you know if there's if there's development funding through cask for stand-up comedians to get to venues some of these venues you know we want to improve the comedy clubs as well we we have a symbiotic relationship with comedy clubs that book us on a regular basis not just on the you know the touring or headline times we need to support the clubs as well so some of that fun funding might be improving the club's ability to reach new audiences it might be improving the club's ability to book a comic um that normally they wouldn't be able to fly in and put up uh more than you know they they have their budgets the, these comedy clubs are, are limited too. And so, you, you know, they can't book the same local comedians over and over again once more audiences start going to the comedy clubs again. 
and so, you know, we have to work together. And so really that's what CASC stands for. The petition is to get the recognition as an art form. That's the first step. We want some labor mobility because when Canadian comics artists can share their stories, create content, travel to the States, travel to the UK, travel to Australia, not for free. They're going to have to put a little skin in the game, but they get better and they can create new perspectives as Canadians when they come back home and tour and, and perform here. And they'll be even better and more exciting when they go to a comedy club. So it's going to, it's a long-term plan. Um, but we know that we know that politicians and business people get it, but they're so constricted by the mentality that I call it. And I'm not the first one to call it this. I don't think, you know, I think Richard Florida calls it this as well. He's a, you know, a Rotman school of business guy. It's, it's the winner take all mentality. CEOs of companies, government officials, they're only looking at the horizon of their tenure at the, the, the head of, of the firm, you know, uh, or, you know, for as long as their party's in, in government. It's but looking at people to think, yeah. It's looking at short term and not long term. Yeah, we want people to get back to looking at what's the you know twenty thirty here horizon. Some of these changes, economically for stand up comics, which is why you know I'm not going to directly benefit from this necessarily. Um, they, it might be a generation, uh, and it's a commitment now to start making that happen so that we can see the fruits of our labor and. You know, the, the resistance part of it for me is like, I, I don't even know why they have a problem with it. Like the resistance from the, the government bodies, like the Canada Council for the Arts and Heritage Canada, to say, we're not going to change how we designate the application process right now. Now, what, I, oh. what is, what is going to change if they add stand-up comedy or stand-up comedian to the drop-down menu? They'll still scrutinize the application and jury it. We just want the ability to prove to them that we've got a plan and that it's going to meet it's going to meet all their other boxes checked off. And if it doesn't, then, they, then we don't individual comics don't get the money. It's and, as simple as that. And you don't have to sneak in under something else. Right. <laughs> now, I would do a disservice to my listeners if I didn't ask you about Cash Cab because unfortunately and or fortunately, that's where people know you from. Yo, listen, um, <laughs> Discovery Channel, Discovery Channel and Bell Media were absolutely fantastic in terms of nurturing and supporting the Canadian version of Cash Cab. And I, I really feel so lucky that I got the opportunity to host that show. Uh, I can tell you 100% that my experience as a stand-up comic were hugely beneficial in terms of me being able to host that show, even though it wasn't a comedy. Uh, being able to think on my feet, improvise in the moment, unscripted situations, you know, obviously tempered. I'm, I'm a clean comic, so it wasn't ever an issue in terms of, you know, it going blue or dark. But there was a lot of humor, humor that trickled out, not from me, but from the hilarious Canadians that were contestants. And if I didn't have a sense of uh, comedic timing and working with the, uh, the contestants who ended up being just fantastic, they you know, Cash Cab is a franchise show. It, it, at one point or a, another, there have been Cash Cabs in 30 different countries, 30 plus. And I think we were one of the longest running in Canada. Again, eight seasons. And I haven't looked at a lot of them. I've looked at a couple. And, you know, I've heard from other people who do, who are like real fan fandom of the, the Cash Cab. And there's not a lot that are accessible online. But I, I honestly think ours was the best uh, or one of the best. 
And it, it comes back to Canadians. We didn't know what Canadians were going to be like as contestants, whether they were going to be reserved or polite or whatever, but they were just so real and authentic and, you know, emotional, whether it be you know, winning or losing that my job as the host was to just elevate that, you know, my job as the host of that show was to make all of the pieces of the show work as best as possible. And so when I created a, an environment for Canadians to get in there and, and be themselves, that's why it was such a hit. And Eight Seasons in Canada, you know, this is the irony, irony of saying it. Eight Seasons in Canada is a good run for a television show. It's not the longest, of course. There are shows that have lasted much longer. Um, no. But it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be that – I shouldn't be going, we were lucky to get Eight Seasons. That's a legacy. That's a dynasty show. There is absolutely no reason we shouldn't be making that show anymore. It's the cheapest show in the history of making shows. But still, when the CRTC changed the rules, I'm convinced that one of the reasons was it's still more expensive to make a show like Cash Cab than it is to just buy something that's already made in another country and, and fill the day part. Because we weren't prime time. We were what's called pre-prime. I'm not saying that's the only reason. But during the run, you know, I can tell you as an artist the i the feedback i got from discovery channel uh as the host was couldn't have been better uh, as an artist trying to grow into the role right because sometimes you get a hosting job and there's executives or the executive producer they've got their hand in it they, or they don't get you or they're trying to push in this direction uh it was bruce glossen who was the executive producer on discovery side and andrew bernstein who was the executive producer on the castlewood production side and they were just so amazing that, you know, like while I might have grievances with how the TV industry has turned in the last two or three years, um, I, I can honestly say that, you know, they were, that's the kind of business of making television in Canada that I, I want to get back to, not to only for me, but for other stand-up comics and other artists. It was so nurturing and so uh, amazing that even the, the crew and the production staff that worked on that show they, we still, not just because we were working and making money, but it, it was such a, a healthy environment that everybody misses it, even if they've had great success in other things. So it was absolutely fantastic experience. I have a couple of questions about the show. So did you ever feel bad when you had to make somebody walk a good distance when they lost? Well, you know, I, I, I live a life, uh, Jason, daily meditation uh, centered around self-awareness empathy and compassion that's the honest truth that's that's my mantra and so i can't help but feel a little bit bad when when something like that doesn't work out at the end of the day it's just it's a game show in a taxi cab and it was it was kind of funny when people struck out and i'd pull over and they go well yeah but we're not we're not really <laughs> and i'd go no you you're getting out because, you know, I've, I've explained the rules quickly at the beginning of the game. And then once they agree to play, we stop cameras and a producer comes in and they sign a huge waiver and they get the full rules of everything that's going to happen. And they're just so excited, right? They're, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. Let's go, let's go. And so even though they've heard several times that if you get three strikes, you're walking, uh, it still was sometimes kind of funny. Uh, you know, I'm a comic, so I find the humor in these things when the, the look. And that's what was so real about it, right? Like, their reactions were like, what? Okay, but you know, we can you know you can still drive us to where we're going. But no, but bye bye. But they're also and Canadians, so, so they think you're going to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and so you know, it was never mean spirited. Obviously, with yeah. the viewer, I'm I'm looking in my camera, kind of sharing looks once in a while when people have epic fails or you know can't quite can't get a question. But you know, I still tour with 
to this day, the, the, you know, and you opened the conversation about cash grab by saying, you know, for better or for worse, you know, maybe you don't want mm-hmm. to be known for that. I'm extremely pleased that people still come up to me. We haven't made a, a show in many years. I'm still so thrilled when people want to take a selfie with me or they say, I, I grew up with your show or my mom and I watched your show together. And, it, you know, as a Canadian artist, it's extremely rewarding that that connection to a TV show. I mean, think about it. It's just a TV show. But people have a very strong connection to it. Uh, and so I still tour with the Adam Grove Quiz Show, which is a hybrid of stand-up comedy and trivia together in a live show. And people can win cash or prizes out of my pocket. And, you know, a la Cash Cab, I'm not making fun of people. People got it after they saw it on TV for a while. That I'm not, you know, taking the piss out of anybody. But if something happens, it's funny. And people are having a bit of a laugh at something that you said or that something that happened to you. Yeah, you know, we are Canadians and we, we are allowed to laugh at ourselves. It's part of the, the nugget of our sensibilities as humorists is self-deprecation, but not in a mean-spirited way. And so did I feel bad? No, I felt, you know, I felt sad in a want, want type of way for them. I wish it worked, but we, we need great television. And that's why at the end of the day, a lot of great games, that were made in cash cab never went to air because we need a mix. We need some wins, some losses, few people, short games, long games. So there were a lot of fantastic contestants that were more, they, they might've even won. They get to keep the money. If they win, they get to keep the money, but they were more pissed off that they didn't make it to the cut, right? To, to yeah. the television. So anyway. So have you ever thought about doing a cash Uber show on YouTube? A cash Uber show, yeah. uh, you know, the, the lead, <laughs> The legality monumental. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like Uber was barely a thing in the last season or so. You know, like I remember yeah. when we were when we were making uh I can't remember who it was. There was someone famous that, you know, drove an Uber around and nobody had any idea what it, I think it was uh Dead Mouse. You remember that? Yes. Yes, I think I think it was him or another famous mm-hmm. big time DJ, and it was a big, huge thing, and everyone was trying to make a big stink about it. It's like he's driving an Uber. I was like, "What the hell is Uber?" You know, if if we did Cash Cab now, it would be it would be harder to get the games because mm-hmm. I would be competing with a lot of people who are not hailing cabs anymore. Yes. Now, with my guests, I have uh, a fast five, which is five questions. First thing that comes out of your mind, l- give me the answer. Is it Got a one-word answer? Yeah, one-word word answer, or you could have a sentence. I've had a, a, okay. a mixture of anything. Okay. Favorite comedian of all time? Hmm. Comedian or stand-up comedian? Uh, uh, let's go with stand-up comedian. Wow. Okay, how about top three? No, I, I, I will, I will say Jerry Seinfeld. Favorite, com- I, I oh, will, you will say Jerry I, Seinfeld. I, I, yeah, I will say Jerry. I don't have to give you context. No, that, no, no. I... Favorite comedy movie of all time. Blues Brothers. Poutine or pizza. Pizza. Favorite beer or alcoholic drink. Craft beer. Favorite place to pick up a shot of Java? I grind at home. I'm, you know, you know, my my own spot, man. <laughs> and where can people find you on the internets? AdamGrow.com. 
And then all the social media channels are my actual name, Adam Grow, with an E on the end of Grow. Well, thank you very much for stopping by and having a little chat with me. Cheers, Jason. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, thank you so much for, you know, having a great podcast, sitting down with uh, hopefully a lot of Canadians, uh, you know, established or not, and, and getting the word out there and supporting the infrastructure that we're, we're trying to build in, in this country. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Cheers, Jason. I would like to thank Adam Grove for chatting with me and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter at Jason Perrier. That's at Jason, P-E-R-R-I-E-R. And use the hashtag chance to chat with if there is someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out.